Welcome to the Path Forward Utah. I'm Jamie Rinder, your host, and it's another Monday morning. Um, and so much news. Again, I, I say this every Monday morning, but I'm just baffled that uh, that every every week we just have so much to talk about. But uh, I'm going to just start out with some what I consider really good news. Uh, I'm working with a lot of good people here in the state of Utah, and I found out about better, you know, good organizations that are popping up uh, daily that are out there fighting against the government corruption that are pulling good people together to build bridges. And uh, it gives me a lot of hope. So I'm going to talk about an organization called FAIR. Um, And this organization um, definitely appeals to me because it kind of uh, goes to my inner core of things that I believe in. And so I started watching a podcast that I've mentioned multiple times on this program called the Dark Horse Podcast with Brett Weinstein, a, a liberal professor, actually a Bernie Sanders supporting professor from Evergreen College out in Washington State. Now, for those of you who know, I'm not a liberal and I'm not um, on the left and I definitely would never support Bernie Sanders. So I don't elevate this guy for those reasons. Um, But this is someone who finally had enough and stood up against the craziness of his university in the direction they were going. And he and his wife paid the ultimate price. They had tenure at their university and uh, they lost tenure. And um, well, go back and look at Evergreen University. The media did not report on it, but they had two weeks of utter hell of students taking over this college. And anyway, Brett and his wife's uh, life were threatened. And um, anyway, so he started this podcast called the Dark Horse Podcast. And you see him kind of creeping from this left-leaning professor to this center-right, almost leaning professor now. Actually, he's no longer a professor, but he's a biologist. But uh, he had a podcast about a year ago that I watched, and I just loved it. He had about six or seven um, professors throughout the United States, uh, black uh, professors that seemed to be moderate to conservative leaning. Uh, One of them was Glenn Lowry. He's an economic uh, professor. But... uh, it was just this range of dynamic uh, professors that were talking about all these racial issues from um, reparations to uh, not critical race theory at the time. That was not the hot button, but similar, similar uh, philosophies. They just weren't using the word critical race theory. And so at that time I was, I started following several of these people and but I did not know that they created an organization uh, until last week. Uh, I was hooking up, a, you know, a group of us. I'm with Blexit Utah, and I also have my own organization, Path Forward Utah, and uh, work with the log cabins and work with some other groups. But uh, one of the people on Blexit reached out and wanted to connect Utah Parents United and Ames and Blexit and fair together. Well, I didn't know what fair was, but it is the, I'm just going to read you the acronym here. Uh, it's the foundation against intolerance and racism. So on the, on the surface, you would think, you know, is this really, is this one of these left-leaning organizations uh, with that terminology? Um, 
and you might not know what to think of it, but this is the cat fight that is beginning on the left. These are the true liberals, the traditional liberals that are coming out fighting against the left. Uh, some of these people are what I would consider, you know, conservative left. Um, but most of them are what I would consider just true liberals. Uh, definitely believe in free speech. They all are coming out against the direction the universities are taking. And uh, and they're all coming out against critical race theory. And they, they've actually formed, and, and I mean, this has happened really quick because this organization fair here in Utah, the lady I was talking to, they already have 800 members. I mean, they are going strong. It's like, boom, two months ago, they, but they, they started with 400 people that the national organization just gave them when they started their chapter here. The national organization has just been up and going about six months, uh, but they are just killing it right now. So I'll, I'll tell you who's on the board of advisors on this group. So you have, Again, these are all um, Megan Kelly. So those of you I've kind of mentioned Megan Kelly over multiple different podcasts on how she's kind of came out and is uh, being a champion against critical race theory and challenging some of the LGBT radical issues. And um, so anyway, she's one of the board of directors. But if you look at this, the board of directors, so go on. FAIR, F, you know, F-A-I-R, uh, Foundation Against Racial Intolerance and Racism. Um, and you'll see their board of directors. It is an incredible mix of minority, uh, Black, Asian, Hispanic, uh, Caucasian university professors, journalism, uh, journalists, Business people, uh, attorneys, um, I mean, they just have some really high profile uh, psychologists, doctors, um, people that have put this together. Uh, and so my first initial reaction being a member of the Blexit board here in Utah, I thought, man, they're going to kind of kick our ass. Sorry about that, Brian. <laughs> uh, because, you know, it is a very impressive board and they are just really going at it. Um but, you know, we do something totally different than they do. So I'm going to kind of separate the two. So I'm going to throw out some names of people that are on this board. Well, one, Megan Kelly, um, but uh, others that you might know, Tim Urban, uh, Andrew Sullivan, uh, Ian Rowe, uh, John McCorton. Let me see. Alexander Lloyd, Glenn Lowry, um, Coleman Hughes, Nathan Hoffman, Jason Hill. Um, I just have a big board. Uh, Melissa Chen, um, Michael, I can't say his last name, but I know. But anyway, these are all pretty incredible people. Again, they're, they, I follow people outside of my bubble uh, or my, my chain of thought, just so I can kind of see where the world's going. And so I've, I have followed multiple of these people on their podcast or podcasts that they're on. And so it's been really kind of fun because you see these people that used to be ones that would frustrate me and, and they're coming back, uh, not just from the left or left leaning, but they're coming back to the center and even center right leaning. And uh, they have formed a coalition of people 
and put this together really quick. And, uh, and they're nationwide. I mean, they have, they have put this together fast. And again, I think most people don't know they exist, um, but um, they will know soon. Um, so they have chapters. Let me just look here. I'm just looking on their chapters. And not only do they have chapters in every state, but some states have chapters. Like in New York, they have five chapters. Um, Vermont, they have four chapters. Washington, they have five chapters. Uh, Pennsylvania, they have five chapters. I mean, they're just, you know, they're rocking it. And so I'm sitting here, you know, looking at this. And so there's this underground swell happening on uh, with this of uh, people coming together um, in the traditional liberal sense, you know, your Bill Mars and, and, and people that I think are going to take on and take the traditional Democrat party back. Uh, you know, I never thought I would really root that on <laughs> like, you know, you know, come back democratic party, <laughs> but, uh, I never thought we'd go so far left that I would be rooting for, you know, the, the Democratic Party to, to come back to where it once was. Um, but, you know, these are all people fighting for the things that we're together on. They're fighting against critical race theory. They're fighting against this intersectionality. They're, uh, they're fighting against the radical LGBT issues. And, uh, and they have these people, you know, together are going to have powerful voices. And these are also people that have been shut out of uh, traditional media. And so they have formed uh, this really great network. And like I said, they're they're in all 50 states. And in many of the states, they have, um, you know, five, six chapters uh, throughout the states. And like I said, in the state of Utah, they've only been here two, three, well, August, September, October, November. So about two or three months, three and a half months, because uh, they formed the end of August. And, um, and they already have up to 800 members, and they're just really rocking us. Anyway, uh, this is Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism, and they've already put together, uh, they have high school clubs, um, they have, I, I'm just going to kind of go over, <laughs> and I don't want to overly boost this because, you know, uh, Bluxit is my organization that I'm working on, and I'm going to talk about the difference between Bluxit and this organization and why Bluxit is I, th I think it's great that both organizations exist. Uh, I think this organization is going to be able to take this um, this dialogue up where we can actually have a dialogue together and uh, an open dialogue with most Americans, which is awesome. So they have high school clubs are putting in. They have fair in medicine, fair at work, fair at schools, fair in the education alliance. So they are getting into all these different organizations to have a voice. Now, again, it's not as conservative a voice as I would like to have, but it is definitely challenging this radical left voice that has managed to creep in to medicine, creep into our education system and creep into the media and um so I am excited about that. They also have put together a curriculum. I have not had a chance to look at the curriculum, but that kind of goes, that would be a replacement curriculum 
to a critical race theory and to social uh, SEL curriculum that um, actually might really be a true curriculum to address the issues without, you know, um, overstepping bounds of parents' rights and dividing people, uh, at least from what, everything I've been reading. So again, this is a New to me, I just found out about this organization last week, but it gives me great hope. So this is just one of the organizations that I'm going to be working with, uh, Utah Parents United. They have just really came out. And you see this throughout all of the United States right now, where these parent groups are coming together and they are forming coalitions that are taking on school boards Um, in Arizona. I don't know if you have seen this in the news, but in Scottsdale, Arizona, the, the school board chair actually was keeping, um, I don't know if I want to, they call it a dossier, a dossier that uh, on parents um, that had spoken out on school board meetings um, against critical race theory, against masks, and against some of the mandates. And so he had collected private information Social security numbers, uh, credit history, employment history, pictures of them and their children, uh, quite an invasive privacy uh, documentation. Uh, and it just came out by fluke because the, the school board uh, president accidentally emailed it to another parent. And that's how it was exposed. And if that hadn't happened, they probably wouldn't have known it existed. Um, so anyway, the parents all came together. They got signatures, demanded for an investigation on this uh, school board president. But you see this happening in so many states where the parents are uniting together. So in our state, it's called Utah Parents United, and they're doing a fantastic job on holding our school boards accountable. Now, a lot of these school boards have an attitude against Utah Parents United, but I've watched them. and I think they have been very professional in the way they go about challenging the school boards, but the school boards just don't want challenge. So, but, uh, and then you have another group called AIMS here in the state of Utah. And these are former educated educators or current educators that have came together to fight against critical race theory and uh, some of the radical LGBT issues that are being forced on schools. And some of these people of AIMS have actually been some of the more radical people in the education system, former BLM members that kind of had a change of heart and a conversion, realizing, man, what we were doing was dangerous. And uh, they formed an organization called AIMS here in Utah. And so anyway, it's been really awesome seeing these different groups coming together, in addition to the patriot groups that I've been working with for the last year and a half. So that gives a lot of hope. And this isn't just happening in the state of Utah. This is happening you know, throughout the nation, even against the um, the threat of FBI watching over us, you know, looking into the lives of the parents, challenging the school board members. And um, in, in, like I said, in Arizona, and I'm sure it's not just in Arizona, um, that the school board president uh, was being invasive upon parents. I'm sure it's happening across the nation. Um, where parents are being labeled, you know, well, they did. They said we're terrorists. Anybody that's challenging their their positions. Um, So I have no doubt that there's similar lists 
in multiple, multiple states similar to this one in Arizona. So there's got to be full accountability against this school board president in Arizona to set a precedence uh, that this is not acceptable. It's not going to be tolerated. And um, but, you know, I doubt if there will be, but uh, there certainly needs to be one. But it should give us a lot of hope to see how many different organizations are pulling together and uh, in working together to fight against uh, these radical things that are happening in our countries and in our state. So anyway, again, just a shout out to this organization called FAIR. Uh, Again, I'm not saying it's the ultimate organization. I'm just saying I think it's going to at least bring a conversation to the table where good people can sit down and actually debate and have conversations on these issues and maybe find some common ground that we can work on. Uh, So those are some of the ones here. If you're not currently involved in the organization, I'll give a shout out to these organizations again, FAIR, that's Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism. So if you tend to be on the left, uh, not on the left, but a Democrat, traditional Democrat, liberal, but you don't like what's going on in your country, you don't like what's going on in your schools and you want to get involved and uh, you want to be able to connect with like minds to make changes, FAIR would probably be the, you know, the direction you might want to go in. Um, Utah Parents United is another one that you can be involved in. And if you're an educator or a former educator, Ames is one. And of course, we always welcome any and everyone to Blexit because Blexit is for everyone. It is an organization that was developed to encourage and to inspire Black Americans to leave leftist ideologies and to embrace conservative principles. But uh, the pillars that we work for uplift all Americans. And uh, so when we work on pushing for educational choice, that definitely will uplift black communities. But it uplifts every community. Anyone that has educational choice is going to be uplifted. As we work on true and viable prison and judicial reform, That definitely will uplift black Americans, but it will uplift all Americans as we push for economic policies that will help support entrepreneurship. um, We believe that entrepreneurship is the way out of poverty and out of dependence upon government programs um, that uplifts all Americans Um, as we fight against critical race theory that uplifts all Americans. So all the things that Blexit works on uplifts all Americans. Another thing that Blexit does is a lot of community service and a lot of community engagement to bring people to work together uh, in connection. So one of the uh, in this next month, we're doing a toy drive and we don't have the exact date. I'll announce it next week in the location but we're going to be having a Christmas party. Was We do have a lot of the musicians. Um, they're going to be performing. Um, so we'll have some wonderful musicians, Lucy, one of our board members, she's a professor at Salt Lake Community College. She is an accomplished violinist and she's going to be performing. Dr. Gary Thompson, another one of our board members is a pianist and a singer, and he is going to be performing, uh, Brooke from Utah Parents United. She and her family will be, have a wonderful talent in their family. They're going to be performing Eric Mutsos from Utah Business Revival. will be sharing his musical talents. 
Um, Jamie Wadman and her family will be sharing their musical talents. So anyway, we're going to have some wonderful people sharing their musical abilities and, uh, and just have a great time in the cost of entry. And we're going to have wonderful desserts. And the cost of entry is going to be just a donation of a toy uh, to be able to donate to children who are homeless and in some of the homeless shelters this Christmas season um, or in like Christmas box houses, uh, the Christmas box house that perhaps they're in situations where they've been taken out of their um, out of their home for various reasons and uh, or in foster care. We're going to depend on how much, you know, how many, you know, how much we do raise in in this toy drive it will depend on how how much we can spread uh, the toys that we raise. So anyway, that's going to be the activity for January, uh, December is our toy drive. And so each month we try to have some engagement with the community that we can give back. Um, so that is, let me see if there's anything else coming up um, in Utah. So I'm going to talk about Senator John Johnson, who's one of my favorite uh, Utah state senators. Um, he has a, a program called Politicket. It's only on Facebook. It really needs to get Utah, uh, a, a YouTube channel. But he interviews people um, all over the state on different issues that's going on in our state. And... Um, and really trying to give people similar to the uh, path for Utah, but on a little bit different perspective, but uh, politic, I don't just want to give him a shout out, but John is one of the people that has been willing to engage uh, in all of our events that we have for our log cabin Republicans. He's considered one of the most conservative senators in the state of Utah. But we went. We were at an event, and I may have mentioned this to you once, you know, a couple of weeks ago. But we were at an event, um, the Liberty uh, Festival, a couple of weeks ago, and which was a really, according to Brian Schott, one of the most conservative, ultra conservative events here. And we had a Blacks at Utah booth, and um, Senator John Johnson saw Lady Maga walk in. Uh, AKA Ryan Woods, one of our podcasters. And he just lit up, sprinting almost across the room, open arm, full hug. And that's the type of connection we would like to be making as the Path Forward Utah is helping people connect human to human. And even if we have our differences and may not agree with each other, on everything that we can agree on the things that we're working for together as patriots and fighting for freedom. And Ryan has been out there fighting for freedom. And John recognizes that as our state Senator here in the state of Utah. And uh, again, that, that connection has been made and you saw that in his reaction as he went up and embraced Lady Maga at this event. So that's the type of connections we hope to make. So we'll be back on the path for Utah in just a minute.
welcome back to the Path Board Detail. I'm Jamie Rinda, your host. Um, got to touch on the on the Kyle controversy this morning. Let me find the one I was wanting to start on. Kyle Rindenhouse. You know, when that story first hit uh, a year ago, um, there's a, a gentleman that I had a kind of a debate with on my program. He's out from California, Orlando Hill. He's a black conservative. And he was all defending um, Kyle that it was a clean shoot. And I'm not saying it wasn't. It was just the way he was kind of doing it. And I kind of challenged him on it. And uh, so anyway, but I I think I'm just going to say I was wrong. And he was right on this Um, as things have came out. I never I definitely was not anywhere close to the left. I was just thinking Kyle probably shouldn't have been there. And his mother probably wasn't wise letting him go there. And this young man, you know, so I, I was looking at it from more of a parental standpoint that uh, that his and I still I would not have let my child go there had I known. But uh, at the same time, you know, what do we do when law enforcement stands down, when a governor refuses to enact the National Guard when they know there's going to be chaos and mayhem out in the streets when businesses are going to be destroyed. Uh, and you're sitting there watching this month after month after month. Um, and so this young man and whose father lived in Kenosha. So he did have a vested interest. Uh, it's not like he just popped in there out of nowhere. His father actually was from that area. And as a young man who was in training um, with the fire department and medic training, so a pretty impressive young guy. You uh, obviously knew how to use this weapon. I mean, I, as I watched this trial, I was totally amazed on the the constraint he used uh, before firing uh, his gun at the point. Uh, you know that these people were chasing him down and had him pinned before he actually. Uh, defended himself. Uh, I think many people with much more maturity, and when I say maturity, I mean age, um, and probably would have pulled the trigger a little faster than Kyle did. I, so I think a lot of judgment was against him because he was 17 years old out there. Um, so anyway, watching this trial, and again, I mentioned last week how sickened I was that the FBI set on this video footage that they had for a year that would have pretty much exonerated him to a large extent that it was self-defense and uh, and didn't weren't forthcoming on this video footage. But uh, this young man, you know, in one breath, we're saying, you know, he shouldn't have been out there. But the other, you know, at some point, if our nation continues to go down this path of this chaos, I, I've, I've mentioned multiple times because uh, Charlottesville continues to get brought up over and over and over and over again. But what does not get brought up is the police chief was very adamant that the governor, unfortunately, now has been voted out of office, told the police to stand down. Why would you tell the police to stand down? It's such a volatile time in your state in which two opposing sides are coming together where you had not just people that simply wanted the monument of General Lee 
taken down or one, the monument of General Lee left up. But when you had the very radical white supremacist faction and you had the very radical hate group on both sides, Antifa, they were going to be there. And Antifa was there in full force and was causing destruction and mayhem. And this governor told his police chief and the mayor told him to stand down, did not activate the National Guard, and it caused chaos. And so the same thing in Kenosha and other places, I mean, they basically just let these thugs, the Antifa, take over the streets when these things happen and let people's lifelong work be destroyed in the businesses that they own um, and put people's lives at risk. So this young man, you know, comes forward and says, I'm going to go help protect, you know, put out fires, help people, you know, first aid. And uh, again, it was kind of maybe naive and not the wisest for his mom to let him go. But uh, he, and, and again, how this was framed was a racist thing when all three of these people that were shot, two that were killed and one injured, um, were white. Um, and I think that's just now starting to come out uh, that they were white. A lot of black people, for some reason, thought he shot black people and they were all white. Not only were they all white, two of them had horrific, and I'm not justifying, you know, that they should have died because they had horrific criminal backgrounds, but these were not good people. And they're being portrayed as civil rights leaders. And uh, so the only one that was probably a semi decent person that he shot was the, was the guy that survived um, and that he shot in the arm. And the other two were some pretty horrific people, but even this guy had some real strong socialist communist ties and was there um, probably the closest, again, a, a decent person that thought he was connecting and doing the right thing out there. But, um, and he also had a, a gun on him which is he disclosed that he is a big a, a supporter of the second amendment and it's his right to own a gun. And the same with Kyle. Uh, Kyle's just different because he was six months younger than he should have been to have possessed that gun. So in, anyway, it's been interesting watching this, but through the trial, there's been a lot of hearts that have been changed and uh, I'm trying to think of this guy who came out uh, but he's a very affluent um, Democrat donor. Ryan, do you remember his name? Is it Ackman? Um, no, no, no. I'll find it in a minute. But anyway, uh, he has a big following, but he is not conservative. But he watched this trial on him and his wife, and uh, he came out on his social media. Um, he's a billionaire and he's very influential again in the Democratic Party. Ackman is his name. Billionaire Bill Ackman defends Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, and he's and he talks about how his heart was totally changed and that he sees Kyle as a civic minded patriot. So this is coming from the left. And you see multiple people on the left starting to say, I was totally wrong about this kid. And um but at least this time, uh, there will be National Guards out in the street, and hopefully there won't be the chaos that's going to erupt 
if Kyle is found innocent, which he should be found innocent. Uh, they have dropped all charges except on the deaths of the two gentlemen and the, and the shooting of the one. So no weapons charge, no curfew charge. So either he will be found guilty or innocent based on shooting of the three, these three people. And it's now in the jury's hands. Uh, the jury has received death threats. The judge has received death threats. Uh, it's a tough time to be in our criminal justice system on all areas. And um, so anyway, I hope that anybody that they they search down and find anybody that has. Um, and we seldom hear about this. I, I'd like to know why we don't hear about the people who give out death threats and their convictions. We really need to hear about that uh, against politicians against jurors, against judges, against anyone, we seldom see the trial and conviction of people who are are, are, are giving death threats out. And we need to see that more because I think it would be a deterrent uh, of people making these threatening, um, these threats uh, to people in positions like this. Um, at least I'm not aware, and they're not out there in the public enough, but we need to be actually seeing people be tried and convicted for making these type of threats towards judges and towards jurors, uh, because I think that would definitely make people think twice before um, picking up the phone or emailing or making that type of threat. So anyway, that's the trial going on in Kyle, but, uh, you know, these horrible, horrible things of him being called a white supremacist, him being called all these things. Um, I'm sure he's going to be right up there with, if he is found innocent, um, with Nick, is it Sandbot, Sandhouse? I can't think of this. Sandman, uh, in, in receiving a massive settlement from a lot of these news agencies that have slandered his name and hopefully even sue President Biden. Uh, for calling him a white supremacist. So anyway, hopefully this this kid's going to be able to go out and and do great things uh, with whatever settlement that he does get, and uh, and be a leader in our communities because he certainly has more guts than most uh, most adults did. He went out and tried to make a difference. I don't know if it still was the wisest thing for a seventeen year old to do, but at least he had the courage to go out there and try to make a difference. So I will give him that. And again, when my friend that I had this conversation with Orlando Hill in California said it was a clean shoot. He was right. As I watched all these, this kid waited till he really, I mean, his, you know, they were attacking him and he was right up until, you know, he had a gun pointing at him before he made the shot or shots were being shot at him before he shot back. So I think anybody else may have even acted um, prematurely on that. But he he actually waited until uh, his life was truly in danger before shooting back. So anyway, uh, our prayers are with Kyle, and I hope the jury comes back with the right decision on that. Um, I think it's just frustrating people to death on President Trump and that his popularity continues to remain so high in the Republican um, establishment, but not just in the Republican establishment, Iowa. 
And this is where my Trump hater, I got to decide what I'm going to do with my Trump hater. For those of you who have not heard of my program in the past, I, I own a baked potato restaurant in Ogden, Utah, and uh, we sell the most delicious loaded baked potatoes. It's called Brixton's Baked Potato. And people were calling Trump a Trump hater, like a dictator. And I uh, thought, man, I just can't let that happen. So I created this little character. And first it was a two-dimensional character. And I thought, well, what is a Trump tater? So I look up the word Trump tater in the dictionary. And Trump tater, Trump means to outclass, outshine, to outperform, to defeat someone or something, a dependable and exemplary person. And so anyway, my Trump tater character, I shifted him to a two-dimensional character and created a three-dimensional with the full mascot. We took this mascot to all the different rallies, Weber State halftime games, and, and just had a lot of fun with my Trump tater character. And uh, anyway, but then after January 6th, I thought, what am I going to do with this Trump Tater character? But uh, I still don't know. But the, the point I'm getting to is Trump continues to um, to outclass, outshine and outperform in Iowa. Uh, he was up 11 points over Biden if he was elected today, which means not only Republicans and independents, but Democrats would vote for Trump in Iowa. So I don't know if Trump will run. I kind of hope his social media is going to take off and that he will be an influencer and hold politicians across the board accountable. I had a laugh at Chris Christie. Who in the heck does Chris Christie think he is? Uh, And I say this as a pudgy middle-aged woman. But Chris Christie is just a pudgy Middle East age man. I mean, <laughs> just a roly-poly kind of guy. I mean, I don't see any leadership in in Chris Christie. Um, I think Bridgegate, he probably should have been convicted. Um, but for him to think he can take on President Trump, what a naive fool. I mean, definitely not the one. I mean, um, He's just got to be kidding me. He's just not conservative at all. Uh, even on, I'm trying to think of what hurricane that hit his state um, a number of years ago, but he just, he didn't handle that right. He didn't handle, um, I, I just can't think of anything. Chris Christie's actually contributed to the conservative movement. And to think he's going to come in other than a little bit of Trump bashing or saying it's time to move forward and stop focusing on the past. And uh, so even my sister gets a little frustrated with us people that want to hold our elections accountable. But how can we ever have another honest election unless we go back and make all the corrections that are needed? And these people know that they won't be able to cheat ever again. So no, we can't just move forward. We've got to, we've got to make the corrections and you don't do that until you expose the fraud. And uh, so Chris Christie comes out and makes a statement, you know, Oh, we've got to move forward in the Republican party. Um, Anyway, he somehow thinks he's going to be the leader of the conservative movement. What a naive pudgy little guy. Um, so anyway, it won't be you, Chris Christie. Uh, I mean, the only one or two people, you know, Governor DeSantis or Governor Nome 
are the only two people, maybe there's a couple of others. You know, there's a there's a, a leader in our state. I shouldn't call him a leader because he's not a leader right now. But somebody I think who has the potential of being a leader. And I got a lot of heat um, a couple of years ago um, or a year and a half ago for supporting this man, but Governor John Huntsman. Uh, I really believe in this gentleman, but where has he been? He definitely has not been a Kyle Rittenhouse. This guy has been ambassador to Russia, an ambassador to China. He's got so much knowledge and understanding of our enemies and of the communism and understanding of what it means to be a free nation. Um, for those of you listening here in Utah, whoever might, might be out there, uh, we need to be putting the pressure on John Huntsman. You don't have to be an elected leader to be a leader. And where is your voice at a time in which our state and our nation needs leaders? Um, <clears throat> so I don't know. Um, in the Democratic Party, uh, Gabby, is it Gabby? I'm going to say her name right. Help me out here, Brian. Uh, the um, the House member from Hawaii that ran for yeah Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, I think she's the only legitimate Democrat that uh, has some leadership there. Uh, so anyway, there, there's a few leaders out there, but Governor Christie is not one of them. Uh, I. I you know, I wouldn't even mind, you know, that there's been this thought process out there of having a left and a right. And I think people have this ideal in mind of a Mitt Romney and a somebody else on the left coming together, a center, a center right and a center left coming together. But if there's anything like that, I would think, you know, Tulsi Gabbard and a John Huntsman may make a good team. But I I'm trying to think of something that would actually bring our nation together. But uh, Governor DeSantis would be my first pick over Trump. But uh, I just don't know if Trump can actually heal our nation. Not that I don't think he's the best leader for our nation, but I just don't know if our nation would be able to move forward in healing. But I definitely feel that Trump will be a forever influencer behind politics if he doesn't run. And maybe that's where his strength is going to be, is being that influencer behind the political scenes. And making sure that good people get elected and really out there in every Senate race and every House race, making sure that the right people are running for that seat and are getting elected uh, so that we have a strong House, a strong Senate, so a, a President DeSantis can run effectively, someone that's holding our FBI accountable and exposing the corruption in our intelligence community. Uh, so I'm just thinking maybe he would be more effective on the outside versus the inside. I don't know. But but the reality is he's not going away and he's popular and he continues to be a Trump hater and uh, continues to outshine, outclass and outperform uh, his counterparts. And um, and he puts himself out there with everything that him and his family have been through. He continues to put himself out there for our country and for the world because he understands that if the United States does not make it through this, if we become 
a socialized nation that there's probably, you know, it's going to take decades to ever return to anything close to what we once had. So I'm grateful for President Trump and sticking it out, even with all the threats against him and his family and against all the pressure uh, with all the lawsuits and all the fighting. He's not a perfect person, but he's out there really fighting for um, for us as a nation. So very grateful for that. So just one more shout out to the fact that for those of you, uh, I think we all ought to put a message into Chris Christie and and tell him to, you know, to shut up and stand down that uh, he is not the one that's going to lead our, our party. And, uh, and what a foolish guy to think he can take on president Trump. So on black lives matter <clears throat> here, we have the white house coordinating with the teachers, uh, the school board association on writing a letter uh, wanting to hold parents accountable and call parents terrorists uh, that are trying to hold their school boards accountable. But you have Antifa and you have Black Lives Matter to date threatening to burn down buildings and cause riots out in the street. And there's nothing happening. There's no call of action uh, for the FBI to investigate, for these organizations to be called terrorist organizations. Um, and so the Black Lives Matter leader in New York, um, again, went on national TV against their newly elected mayor. And because he didn't like the response that this mayor is going to come in and try to restore some law and order to this uh, to the city of New York. Uh, and if he instituted such and such policy that uh, the Black Lives Matter leader threatened that there would be riots and burning down at buildings. And uh, to me, I mean, that that's criminal behavior. That's criminal speech. And there's no accountability to that. But to a parent going to a school board meeting and saying that they don't want their children to wear a mask or they don't want critical race theory taught at their schools, that's being thrown into a domestic terrorism. So the world is definitely, uh, definitely uh, backwards. But again, uh, to reflect back on the beginning of my program, there are organizations that are popping up and communities that are coming together and, uh, and people aren't uh, going to sit back and just let this happen. So it's just really been inspiring that uh, people are joining together and, and fighting back. So anyway, again, if you need to know where you want to contribute your time, uh, you can always, again, just start by going to a school board meeting, going to a city council meeting, going to a county commissioner meeting, going to writing your state uh, house member, your state senate member, or your congressman. Uh, or you can join one of these groups, Utah Parents United, Ames, uh, FAIR, the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism, Blexit. Um, there's many good groups you can be part of. Um, working for a somebody running for a position or run for a position, but get involved. Uh, we, um, I mean, I'm not suggesting we all be Kyle Rittenhouses and go out and you know protect our streets like he did. 
that we all need to be ready to fight to protect the safety of our communities and the laws that allow us to maintain a free society. And we do that by getting involved. We can't be a lazy citizenship anymore. We can't we can't leave our democracy and our republic up just to once we go vote, we're done. We have to get involved. So anyway, make sure you tune in tomorrow for uh, Ryan Woods, a.k.a. Lady Maga. And on Wednesday, Dr. Marcy Campbell. On Thursday, Hot Nacho. And on Friday, Bob McEntee. Oh, 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 oh,